Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today's message is recorded in our gospel lesson, where Jesus says, Because I live, you also will live. It's important to live your life. You only get one short life. So we tend to fill up our lives. With no free time, we end up living a full life. With still photography, there's this fascinating concept that the picture gets to tell so much more than just the words. Clearly, this man has his hands full. There's no shortage of people telling us how to live. Go here, do this, see that. Don't waste any time. Life is meant to be filled with adventure. So why does Jesus say, because I live, you also will live? Is Jesus selling an adventure? Most devout Christians will think of his resurrection, the life he has after his death, as opposed to staying dead. Some of the more passionate believers may be drawn to this idea of living an adventurous life. Is it just one, or is it both? Or is it altogether something more? We'll be exploring this idea of what it means to live. First, we can agree that everyone is living for themselves to some degree. We see this now. The stores have empty shelves. There's the focus is on our own rights. The focus is on our own needs. We are living for self. Many of us even have good intentions for what we do and how we live. But good intentions will only get you so far. In fact, good intentions only get you a little further than bad intentions. Now, most of us can see bad intentions and know they're wrong. But isn't it true that good intentions are harder to see objectively as right or wrong? Most of us have filled our lives with good intentions and we're mostly unaware of how our good intentions let down God. It is good to value your family, your friends, your career, and especially your community. There's never been a time where the, our values have been so clear as they are now. But, the value, but valuing these things is not good when that's all you value when they get in the way of making time for God. That's when a full life is not the fullest. That's what we see in our first lesson from Acts 17. Paul is speaking to the men of Athens, but he may as well be speaking to all of us. In verse 21, he says that they would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. They were consumed with what they saw as good intentions, as a noble cause. Many of us are glued to the news. Some of us are sick of it. But we still want to know what's changed. 
Is the order, the stay home order, going to be extended? Ultimately, these are just earthly pursuits. Our good intentions always are. In verse 22, Paul says, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. Everyone has a religion, whether they want to admit it or not. For some, their children are the most important thing to them. For others, it's their career or their civil rights or something else. We all do this to some extent. Paul implies that the wrong that, it, that they have the wrong religion because they worship the wrong stuff. Point of fact, all stuff is wrong and only one person is right. But Jesus is unknown to them and because of which their lives are full of meaninglessness. Good intentions have little meaning if they're done without a saving relationship with the one true God. Anything good must point to him who is good. Or it isn't good if it's pointing to something else, including pointing back at me. Even if it looks good and was done with good intent. You see, anything meaningful must originate from the one who created all things. He is who makes it good. Paul explains, What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. This needs to be a priority. Their lives are so full that they don't have room to get to know this unknown God. Here's where this deviates from our story a bit. Because we know Jesus. We know Jesus because we have faith. But this story is still true of us. Because while this God is not unknown to us, we do have full lives. We have lives that don't have room for him. Room to get to know him. We might be living for self, but we're also living in Christ. This idea of living in Christ is addressed in our second lesson from 1 Peter chapter 3. In verse 18, Peter says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, that he might bring us to God. This sacrifice that matters most is the one time it covered all sins. The death of Jesus covers all sin for all people through faith. Peter goes on to explain how this promise is ours through water. He tells the story of Noah and how Noah was rescued from the flood by the ark. In much the same way, Paul says, we're rescued from our sins through the water of baptism. This event of baptism joins us in the death of Christ and in the resurrection of Christ. We are new persons living in Christ through faith by baptism. Now baptism is just a placeholder for our faith. 
Because faith is also lived out. Living in Christ is what Christ accomplished for you and for me. He is our substitute. He took our place. Jesus bears the wrath of God and brings us back to the Father. Jesus didn't go to the cross and take our place just to let us live in him. No, there's more to his plan. Peter goes on to say in verse 21, Baptism now saves you as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Yes, you live in Christ through faith. Faith many of us got at our baptism. But you aren't meant to stay there in a static state. No, you're meant to live empowered by this gift of living in Christ. You're meant to live for Christ. This is where good intentions meet a good conscience. You need both to be living for Christ. We're nearing the end of this Easter season. Next week, in fact, is the ascension of our Lord. The ascension marks the beginning of the age of the church. Jesus came and accomplished salvation. He says, it is finished, but it's not over yet. His death was the talk of town. Everybody knew that Jesus was crucified and died. They saw him tortured. And yet Jesus proved himself three days later in his resurrection. Only God could defeat death. This must be him. Jesus then taught them in person after his resurrection. For 40 days he was with them. Now it's time for his ascension. To rule at the right hand of God the Father. We live in that Christ. But we must now live for that Christ too. So he sends us a helper. So that we're not alone in ministry. We're told in what living in Christ and for Christ looks like all in one verse in our second lesson. Peter tells us that living in Christ is living firm in honor and hope. In verse 15 he says, In your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. We have our hope in Christ the Lord by being able to articulate our faith to a known God, to Jesus. But what does it mean to honor Christ? Peter, in telling us how to live in Christ, is also showing us how to live for Christ. We honor Christ the Lord by how we think, speak, and act every day. We are called to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in us. People are only called to make a defense for something they've done. Something that doesn't make sense to others. Something unknown to them. 
So why do you live like a Christian? Because you honor Christ. Because you live for Christ. Living in Christ was the part you couldn't do. You couldn't save yourself. But living for Christ is something you can do. It is a life that begs the question. That phrase, begs the question, doesn't mean it asks the question. Rather, it means it answers the question. Does your life answer the question? Does your life honor Christ and show you have hope? And for those who ask, are you prepared to give a defense for the hope that is in you? This brings us to the conclusion and part four of this message, which I've entitled, Living Life to the Fullest. Being in Christ frees us to actually live for Christ. It frees us to live life to the fullest. Shedding the clutter of a full life to live life to the fullest isn't as foreign as it might sound. For example, when this pandemic hit our community, many parents had to stay home and pull double duty. They had to work or find new work and teach in a homeschool setting with help from our great teachers, I might add. Shedding the clutter doesn't always have to be such a drastic and painful process, but we do it when it matters. Money and time are good illustrations for our priorities. They're both very limited commodities to us. The activities that get our time show our priorities. Likewise, the activities that get our money show our priorities. We know these to be true. The things we value show our values. The challenges that everyone is trying to convince us that we need to give our time to this or that. And the same is true for our money. Now is an especially hard time. For some, money is extremely limited. For others, it's time. These days, we're hearing all kinds of stories of how some people are cutting back on luxuries to provide for their family's needs. And that's absolutely the right thing to do. We're also hearing stories of marvelous demonstrations of generosity with time and with money. And it's not only Christians doing those things. Wouldn't you agree Christians should be leading the way though? It is easy in any environment to fill up our calendar. Pre-pandemic, we see the changes. We all have had changes up till now. Mid-pandemic or post-pandemic, it's going to happen again. Your life will fill up. It probably already has. We fill up our calendar with activities and we use up our paycheck each month. And it feels like there's nothing left to give. In reality, the issue oftentimes, not always, is not limited time or not enough money. Although it may be a real hardship for some people. Usually the real issue is our values. Our priorities are wrong if we don't have time or money for what God tells us matters. 
When Jesus tells us to live, he says, because I live, you also will live. He wants you to live your adventure and do the things you love. But a full life with no room for God, with none of God's values, that's not living life to the fullest. Living life to the fullest is living life in Christ and for Christ. We live in Christ by his grace as we hope in him. The God who has been made known as a God of love and mercy. One we go to, seek, study, and pray to. We live for Christ by showing honor to Christ our Lord. By our thoughts, words, and deeds. Living for Christ is living a life that causes others to question your motives. And that helper whom Jesus sent will guide you in sharing your hope. God has already sent you to the people. I leave you with this Bible passage from one of Paul's letters. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. May the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.